Hey, we were gamers. I cracked this beer. That's the type of episode we're going to have tonight. Hello, JJ. Hi. Hello, Michael. What you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, free shilling for the local Huntington Beach brewery called Four Sons. This is a DDB, which is a daily drinking beer. They took a lager and they dry hopped it. Didn't they just used to call those like session beers and they just made up their own name? Well, it's, it's, it's a lager, not an ale, right? So they okay. hopped a lager, which just has to do with where your fermentation is, I guess. It's I style. Say that feels like a lumberjack phrase. Yeah. You named the podcast in under a minute. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, let's just get into it. It's a busy one. Michael, you're on the spot. Okay. You're a mechanical engineer. Sure, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I already like where it's going. <laughs> Let's say you were designing something for someone to build at home. Okay. Would you mix metric and SAE? No. No, I would not. Would you... Although I will say that metric I have, and SAE—that's so weird. I have built things that have had mixed, uh, yeah, uh, like assembly stuff before. This, this sure did have standard and metric measured items. Uh, some things were half inch, and some things were ten millimeter. Very close together, yep. not exactly the same. Uh. Another thing you might do if you were designing is not only would you just stick to metric or standard, you would then attempt to, even if the diameters of your bolts were smaller or or larger, or let's say your bolts were longer or shorter, maybe you'd stick to your half inch or 10 millimeter and just change the bolt sizes, but keep the heads the same so people could keep the same wrenches out. Yeah, you might do that for ease of assembly. Michael. I feel like that one, there could be a reason to change to certain other ones. Okay, but when you have some bolts that are 11 millimeter and some bolts that are 10 millimeter, could you maybe have made one of them the other? Or like color code them? In your design? Yeah, see, if I'm doing something the, like that... In the design would... process of building this thing, did no one come in... Uh, tell me, tell tell us, Michael, why? Wh- who would have come in, or wh- whether they may not have come in, to say, you have six different bolt sizes here, why can't you just make this hole bigger and use these bolts there? It might just be a strength thing. They have a, a default calculator that says if I have a cross section that is this big and I want to go this deep into the metal or wood or whatever it is, then the calculator says this is the size bolt that I should use. I call shenanigans don't. because I have seen people pick up an F-150 with a one inch bolt. Okay, but like how thick? <laughs> You know, like it's just just because it's long doesn't that's not the whole property of the bolt, right? Yeah. The I think the bigger question is like you think it was done designed that way on purpose. I bet it wasn't. I bet it was 
re-engineered this way to save cost. Very possible. The design guy used all 10 inches or, you know, 10 millimeter ones because those are the ones he had on his desk and just did it, you know, or like they had the most easy access to and they just used it everywhere. And then after it's been on the market for a year, they're like, we could make five more dollars if we use nine inch here and one millimeter here and then a hex nut over here. And this saves us seven cents on the screws times 10 million. And now all of a sudden we're rich. Also, do they uh, do they have an in with the tool companies? Because if you have to buy a new set of wrenches to be able to put it together, and they oh, that's small cut of that co-marketing right there. My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting a kickback from the Snap-on Tools people who every set they sell an entire tray of ratchets out to build one little basketball hoop. Yeah, that's pretty silly. Some assembly required. Okay, Michael. I I qualify you as a better engineer than most. Okay. As I appreciate that. As as, as having seen where my problem was initially <laughs> faster than these people did apparently. Oh, <laughs> uh, well normally we would have seen each other this week. Yeah. I could have asked you yeah. my question in person. We could have let, we could have made a, a partial wind blown recording for everybody. It's, it's true, <laughs> but instead we had to Comic Con at home. Yes, which included still having everything you wanted to buy sold out before you got it. <laughs> yep, and they managed uh, to preserve that frustration. Watching, I, you know, not not everything we wanted to buy got sold out. Okay, but. Yep, my understanding is the most popular things did. So that part was preserved. (laughs) (laughs) There were also issues with people not being able to even get into the websites of the places that they wanted. So the Comic Con website crashed. That's about the same as lines being capped before you're even in the hall. Love it. Loved. Loved. Yeah. So how was your Comic Con at home? I. I, we did two panels, and one of which I stopped halfway because it wasn't live. And I was like, well, I'll watch this later, I guess, because it's just a YouTube recording. And wasn't wasn't really my con experience, so I kind of just left it by the wayside. I don't know. Lackluster would it be how I described it, but I don't want to be unfair. I want to know if you guys had a better time than I did. I mean, I think it's fair to say that it was lackluster. You're doing it at home. You don't get the excitement of going to a con with a bunch of people who are also interested in standing in line and like talking about the thing. And and they didn't you know, have a year a, to make this thing a thing. Right. Like they didn't yeah. plan on having it at home. They planned on having it at the thing. And then they had to pivot in, you know, three, four months or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a little bit lackluster. Um, but I did watch several panels. I, I watched more panels actually than I normally would in a comic con because I was able to watch some of the ones that I would have wanted to watch in hall H, but never would have bothered to stand in a line for. Right. So that was interesting. I feel, I feel like probably the quality of the hall H panels is about the same <laughs> <laughs> for being at home. I, I only ever went to hall H one time in my life. So, you know, maybe it was a real bad year or whatever. Yeah, they were better earlier, right? When there was all 
15 years ago when it was all surprises, everything in Hall H was a surprise. It was like they're, they're rumored to be maybe revealing alien versus predator footage. Maybe. And you were like, and it was just like if they Lionsgate, that, right? DC, Lionsgate. Marvel, you didn't know yeah, what it was. Like, what are they going to show and who's going to show up and what? And oh my God, somebody said they saw Keanu Reeves here. It's like, what is he here for? Which all, you know, and that kind of has gone away. Someone saw Robert Downey Jr. Oh my God. Because the, the lines and all the culture around Hall H got so toxic that they had to be upfront about literally everything all the time so that they could create these massive systems to accommodate people needing to see Twilight in Hall H. Yeah. Plus now anything that's in the hall is online 30 seconds after the presentation's done. Yeah, at least right. anything in terms of like surprise and trailer and stuff like that, right, it is yeah. for sure. And it's hard to watch some of those if you haven't caught up, like this Star Trek one. JJ uh, wisely pre-screened uh, for us and said, mm, maybe yeah, we I read watch the that. description and said, hey. Uh, <laughs> so I fast forwarded through halfway through the panel <laughs> and watched the second half only. Um, but then, you know, that wasn't the only one I bothered to, uh, bothered. That's a, it makes it sound like I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed watching them, um, but they definitely were like disposable and like, yeah, I, I watched one halfway and then I paused and went and did something else and came back and came back to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just how it is. I, I think the, I think two of the panels that I enjoyed the most, I, I don't know. Did you guys watch any at all? I watched, like, I watched a Q and a, Okay. Which was all pre-recorded cue and a lot of right. rambling that wasn't a. That's usually how those are, though, right? It's a little bit how they Sometimes. are in person, but more. This one ended up being more like. Uh, so the Q and A was for Robert Kirkman, and his Q and A is usually him literally just doing a, which is rambly because the a is long and not what you needed to hear, but it's enjoyable because it's long and rambly. This was the a was well. I have this pre-recorded marketing uh, photo uh, uh, presentation about these projects that I want to talk. And it's like, this isn't A or Q. This is just you, which is... It's just you marketing to me. Look, he's a great guy, and it was still enjoyable to watch. But at a certain point, I was like, "Ah, okay, this is not the same. And I don't don't know. Yeah. That's fair. We watched a a live Zoom with an artist as well. And that was okay. It ended quickly for some reason. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we watched the His Dark Materials panel, which I think would have probably been one of those. I don't know if it would have been Hall H, but it definitely would have been like Ballroom 20 or something I wouldn't have been HBO able to get into. Sure, yeah, it would be one of the big three. Yeah. yeah, the HBO BBC thing. And they had basically everyone you care about. Um, not everyone you care about, but like most of the stars. Um, Lynn Manuel Miranda and uh, Daphne Keene and James Mac. Oh no, McAvoy was the one who wasn't there. Uh, okay. So yeah, but it was like everyone else essentially, Lord Boreal and all the other actors. Um, and yeah, it was a uh, it was interesting, you know. And they talked a little bit about it. They showed a trailer for the next season. You know, cool. I like that show. I was interested to hear about it. I feel like uh, they did a Q and A afterwards on Twitter which I like briefly scrolled through and then decided they weren't really do. Twitter's a bad place to have any discussion. So a lot of, I just not a just stopped. Right. But like, you know, yes. Right. Of course they don't answer anything. Right. 
But then also, of course, you only have 280 characters. So what answer could you give anyway? <laughs> well, use the new audio feature. Yeah, no. So I just, I was just like, yeah, this is dumb. So I, I stopped with that. But at least they solicited actual questions, right? Like they're like, hey, public, give us questions. Yeah. It's at least something, right? Right. Uh, most of the other panels I saw didn't even attempt to bother with Q&A. They just were like, here's our panel. It ends at the end. Um, I watched the Bill and Ted face the music panel. Nice. Uh, that certainly would have been Hall H because both Bill Winters and... Keanu Reeves were on it along with the apparently like longtime writers of Bill and Ted who have been on it since the first movie. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. The same writers essentially have been writing those characters the entire time. That's so rare in Hollywood. Yeah. Different director probably. So uh, certainly a different director. Yeah. But like, you know, to have like the same writers well not not only the same writers but at least continuity of uh, these two guys anyway yeah uh, that was pretty interesting they had the two uh younger generation female bill and ted's on uh they were the the other actresses on there the daughters yes the daughters i was trying to think of how to anyway yes they're their daughters i don't that's not a spoiler it's shown in the first shot of the trailer yeah uh, and then they had the guy that plays death, which is awesome. <laughs> um, that was a fun one. Um, that was probably the most slickly produced panel I saw also. Like they had some marketing money pumped into that thing, man, or they recorded it very early on after the announcement or something. Cause there was like transitions and graphics and they intercut video into the middle of the call and stuff. Like it was you know, they did some good work there uh, in terms of video editing and, you know, making an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, they're going to have to figure out how to sell that movie in the middle of all of what's going on. So they probably do need to spend some more marketing money to hype it up. Yeah. If you're going to end up watching it at home or whatever. Uh, it was hosted by Kevin Smith, who I hadn't seen in a long time. And man, that dude has lost like a ludicrous amount of weight and looks like, you know, pretty good. Yeah. You know, health he's, uh, he's vegan now. Yeah. Uh, I knew he went vegan, but I didn't realize like how drastic the weight loss was. Anyway, um, he looks good. Um, you know, still the same guy, clearly. Um, <laughs> talking about how like Jay and Silent Bob were essentially inspired by Bill and Ted. <laughs> uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, very interesting panel. Um, but like, you know, just like I feel like in a lot of these Hall H panels, you kind of get like you get like eight or nine people on that stage. And things only like, you know, about an hour. And it's like each person gets like two questions and you better have Max. interesting responses from those two and never talking to them again. This is like when we went to see a Hall H panel with David Boreanaz in it. And it was like literally no one else got a question and all the questions he got were about Angel. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like there's there's a bunch of famous people on stage. Who is the like nerd fandom uh, person that everyone likes? Oh, like uh, Nathan Fillion is on this panel for some reason. He's getting 15 questions and no one else is getting any. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, is what it is. Uh, but that was interesting. Uh, and then I also watched a panel on the 15th anniversary of Constantine. More Keanu. More Keanu. Keanu also on that one. And then they had the director and the like main producer, maybe executive producer. I don't know. 
um, a producer person. And that panel was easily the most fun because there were only three people plus the host, right? And that, like, the director and Keanu and the guy clearly, like, all had, like, hung out a lot at some point during the filming of that thing. And, like, we're all like, oh, man, it's so good to see you. Oh, remember when we did this? This was so awesome. And they just, like, told stories for, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> and so much better than the bigger panels. <laughs> Uh, so that one's highly recommended. And at one point, apparently, uh, the director, well, I mean, not apparently, the director pulled out that, I don't know if you guys, when did you guys seen that movie, right, Constantine? Yeah. I think I saw it in the theater. I certainly I'm almost did. almost certain that I saw it in the theater, yeah. Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, there's that part in the movie where John Constantine pulls out that, like, brass shotgun with, like, the holy stakes in it. Yes. The director has one of those and pulled it out <laughs> on... The call and was like, you know, Keanu had this extra one. He had the prop master make this for me. It's the exact replica of the one he used in the the actual movie. And they're like, where is like Keanu? Do you have the other one? And Keanu's like, no, dude, it's like in a vault somewhere gone. Like he didn't even know where it was. Oh boy. Uh, but it was so cool because like the you know it, it was clearly like something the director just like has on his desk. <laughs> Um, nice. So that was a fun one. Nice. Yeah, well, I I will probably end up watching a few more here and there, but yeah, it's like, eh, when I get around to it, you know. Yeah. Well, it sounds like normally we would have more news to talk about from Comic Con, but uh, for some reason, everyone in the world decided this week that since it was Comic Con, they would just also drop a whole mess of news. On top of us. I am excited about so many things this week. Guys, we have to talk about a lot of it, and we got to talk about a lot of it quickly. Thankfully, most of it's snippets of information. So let's start with one I care about and you don't. <laughs> Great. Analog More Pocket. Smash. The okay. retro Game Boy slash it'll play other things device from Analog. The guys that make the mini NT, I think. Uh, Super NT, I think. Super NT. Or maybe and the NT Mini? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, did they say what other things, though? Uh, Game Gear, Lynx, something else. Oh, uh, whatever the Neo Geo Pocket, I think. Not GBA. Oh, no, it'll take all Game Boy cartridges through the entirety of the Game Boy run fit in in those systems so you're good yes gba will work okay oh okay because you said game gear and then you didn't say oh no, no. the so, gba so the series standard okay. plug-in for the analog pocket is gba and reverse compatibility all the way to gb and then you'll have to put in adapters for game gear neo geo pocket and links Cool. Yeah, it's a cool little thing. It's something I had planned to pre-order. Uh, it was supposed to come out this year. They just announced that pre-orders will go live next month, but the game system is delayed until mid-next year because of COVID. Yeah. I imagine they don't have like a ton of people working, and so then forcing those people to go work at home on it or whatever is a serious disruption when you only have like four people, not yeah. 40 or yeah. 100 mm-hmm. I'm not sad that it's delayed. I'd rather it be done right. And it sounds like they're using the extra time to add 
extra software stuff like a sleep mode when you press the power button like the Switch has and um, other increased other things. They changed the layout of the buttons a little bit and all sorts of stuff like that. So that's the news there. Sad, but hey, I can start to pre-order it, which is cool. I'll take it. I'll take it. How much is this thing? I think it's like 200 bucks. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's not... It's a... Let's put that in the enthusiast category, maybe. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. 200 bucks. I think you can get a dock for it, so you can play it on your TV if you want for another 100 bucks. Uh, They have, like, a bunch of accessories you can buy with it, and they haven't said how much the converters are going to be for the other systems, but... I'm guessing, what, 30, 35? As much as you could charge for them, right? Obviously. Yeah. Who knows, man? Anyway. Maybe. We'll see. Pre-orders go live soon. I'm going to pre-order one. I'll review it when we get one. <laughs> okay. Do you have uh, a good stable of those games to try it with? I do. I have a good old desk full of those types of games, so... Okay. We'll uh, cool. pull some there of those go. out and try them out. It's supposed to up them in direct one-to-one scaling. So we'll see how that goes. With a backlight. Yeehaw. Uh other snippet news. The Witcher. Love The Witcher. Not season two, but Netflix announced Blood Origin, JJ. Do okay. You, does that ring a bell for any of your reading? Uh I mean, there is a number of Witcher books that have blood in the title. <laughs> Of course. But all of them all involve Geralt, so I don't think they're going to be that. This is a Witcher prequel for Netflix set 1,200 years before Geralt or Rivia. Okay. okay. The first Witcher. Is this like the conjunction of the spheres stuff? I don't know. But they said it's planned as a six-episode mini only, so it's not like an ongoing thing. Why not just do season two? I don't Good, good question. Okay. <laughs> I told you to snip it. Snip it news. Okay. I, that, that's puzzling, but look, I enjoy the world of The Witcher. I will watch this probably. And yeah. uh, I think this next snippet news is you two. I don't know anything about this, but our group chat exploded today. <laughs> what is this Kickstarter all about? Hmm. Go for it, JJ. Uh, so... Uh, See, I knew you're throwing it to me because no one knows how to pronounce the name of this thing. That's what it is. It's all you, my friend. I can Uh, pronounce the name. You just have the history with it. uh, So uh, the the name is Ayuden. I'm trying there. Ayuden. That's how I would say it. Ayuden Chronicle 100 Heroes. Uh, And it's a Kickstarter. It's a JRPG made by some of the people that made the Suicoden uh, games. And I don't know, they never, I like looked for this in their pitch. They mentioned like Octopath Traveler like four times and they don't mention Suicoden at all. <laughs> that thing bizarre. The the people that made it that are like the named listed stuff are people who made like Suicode in one and two. Uh, this other person made one in four. Yeah, like Has they're it using been like a decade since the most. Oh yeah, super Suicoden. long time. So the last one was like 
PS2. Yeah, okay, super so, long time. Well, that's not entirely unthought out. Maybe they think people won't know. I, certainly, but like when you look at the battle system and when you look at the content they're talking about, this this should say a spiritual successor to the Sweet Coden series. And we made it look like Octopath because that's kind of what it does. <laughs> it's got to be even more than a decade. It's got to be like 15. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last one was a PS2 game. So, okay. Yeah, it, it's been quite a while. Um, but it's almost dishonest to not tell people that that's what it's like because that's really like it has different races. You're collecting people. There are a hundred different characters. You're building a little fortress town. That's like. Man, that is those games. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it went live this morning, and uh, the day we're recording this, which was uh, Monday the twenty seventh, with a like around five hundred thousand dollar U.S. goal. I don't remember what the goal is because they're Japanese; it's paid in yen. Um, Man, what a nightmare that and- was when I pl- paid for Wonderful One Hundred One through Kickstarter in yen, and my credit card got like shut down for a day. <laughs> yeah that's bad uh i can say that that did not happen uh to me today oh uh but this is over uh 1.3 million now so they blew well past their five hundred thousand dollar ish goal and their the two stretch goals they had listed was uh seven hundred and fifty thousand to enable the like fortress building game and then one million dollars to bring it to consoles and uh they did both of those in like seven hours or something. <laughs> Do you think that there's a company out there that just dumped all that money in there? Like, no, no. I mean, it they has like call them, right? I mean, yeah. given given the number of backers it has, it doesn't right. surprise me that they're already at that number. Yeah, they have almost like 20,000 backers or something. So, yeah, they're, you know, divide that by 40 to $50 each. And then some many, many more dollars than that. They got there. Sweet. Um, yeah, it looks cool, man. I, you know, the, the six player battle system, like the six, six party members and using them to fight and stuff. It looks, it looks like one of those games, man. I love those games. Super excited to see what that comes out to be. Their, uh, planned release date is 2022 or 2023. So. Okay. Bookmark this podcast. Yeah, ways off. <laughs> nice. We're ready to do the big one, the monster bite. Must I guess. Grow soft. Yeah. When's the last Microsoft. time you thought we'd talk about, in general, just Microsoft on this podcast? Well, I mean, I assumed it would be relatively recent because we've been playing that Halo thing and we would eventually keep yeah, talking about yeah. the Halo thing. I mean, you could just talk about 343, not like Microsoft as a whole, but they had a digital Xbox Series X games reveal. Which yeah, I, it's like their event, you know, like what would have been the things they would have shown at E3 probably. I would almost have rephrased it if I was them and been like, yo, these are just our Game Pass games next year. Well, it is true that that's what they are, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bigger advertisement because, like, there's the Games Pass for PC people, too, you know? Boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, they said they said it's all coming to Game Pass. So, you know, 
And almost every single one of those games said PC and Xbox at least. So yeah. Okay. What were the standouts for you, Michael? Um, trying to think what did stand out to me. Oh, I had something. Now I'm blanking <laughs> on what it was. Expected me to I'm go sure, first. It's okay. I'm sure one of us will, will come up with it and you'll chime in. Yeah. It's all good. Andrew. We, look, do we, we talk about Halo last, right? Just leave that for the end. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Stated K3 was in there. I don't know what that game's going to look like, but there was Zombie Deer. That's not fair. <laughs> I've been playing that game a lot with uh, a friend of the pod, Ken, and Kit from Carbon Scoring. Not friend of the pod. On the pod. On the pod. From from Carbon Scoring. Anyway, we play that game, Stated K2. It's, yeah. uh, we've talked about it on this. It's one of those like kind of survival sims. Not really a hard one, I guess. It's a little bit harder, but it's not that. It's not crazy. It's uh, That game's uh, five years old now, so it's about time for a new one. No real details here, though. But They didn't even show more than like the trailer. a trailer. Yeah, yeah trailer. you didn't get any gameplay, nothing. But it's a, I think it's a big deal, and the only reason I mention it. Because it kind of proves to me... The idea of the Game Pass system is uh, they're committed. That's like ultra committed at this point because State Decay 2 is, is one of their games that they've thrown into the, the mix and said initially and and unequivocally like our games are going to be here. You'd think if they weren't going to stay, State of Decay 2 would have fallen off by now. And it's still there, and it's still getting updates, which means it's getting enough play through their system to show them that people are subscribed to their system to play it, which means they keep making updates for it. It's going to be really cool, I think, to see that if Microsoft's idea takes off here and it can fund ideas like State of Decay 2, which was not super popular of a game, into a third version of it to make for this service if this really becomes like the next model for games where yeah, independent game makers will still exist and they'll still get their stuff put onto these things, but you're just going to have sub services for Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, where in this is the model and they kind of Netflix it out, right? Hey, keep them subscribed, keep making content for them, keep them on the service. I mean, that's certainly been Microsoft's model. I mean, they're all of Microsoft's products are like that now. Their operating systems work that way. Their office productivity products work like that. Everything is by a subscription. Stay subscribed to Office. Stay subscribed to their email suites. Stay subscribed to your highest level of Windows support. So, you know, I mean, this is just them falling in line. This is just Xbox falling in line with what Microsoft has been doing for years. I wonder what years. if you could Matt, make the argument, though, that this is higher value than those systems. Like, what are you getting from subscribing to Office versus buying Office? I mean, there's no way to buy Office. You can only subscribe. Okay, so you, you are not the point of that change. It's what yeah. they get out of moving you to a subscription-based model. Right. 
It's harder to make an argument for value, though, in the Office model. And I did just buy Office. You can still buy Office. It's you not- can buy old versions of Office. You can't buy the newest version. Okay. Um, but the regardless, uh, whether what you get out of it isn't relevant, right? <laughs> Microsoft wants you on that subscription because they get way more out of it. Right. And, you know, it's not you know, the office stuff is aimed at businesses and stuff mostly anyway, right? They're not looking at you. Right. They're like, they don't even care if you pirate office, whatever, go for it. Who cares? Like you aren't the sale there, mm-hmm. you know, giant corporations are the sale. And, but in this case, right, the Xbox, it is you, you are the sale. And so, you know, making sure the content is there to support that stuff. You know, it, it, like if they release every game they showed in this event on Game Pass day one, you know, it's a lot of stuff, man. Game Pass is looking like a pretty good deal. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, they have been doing that, you know, so far, right? When that Gears Tactics game came out on PC, it was day one on Game Pass as well. Yeah. Um, oh. I'm surprised I haven't heard about uh, friend of the pod yeah. Ken's opinion on that one. Gears Tactics? Uh, we'll see. He's a big yeah. Gears person, right? Uh, I think Kit actually is more of a Gears person, mm. but I can just bring it up on Carbon Scoring. We could just do that. Hey, just 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 ask, I just ask him. I'm just curious if yeah, they played it. Absolutely, it's on Game Pass. They got the Game Pass clearly. Uh, absolutely, so. yeah. Um, so other stand. Uh, sorry, we're derailing oh, no, this event. Right. Other stuff. No, I, I remembered mine in the meantime. Mine was Fable. Fable yeah. Fable. Yeah, Fable. Fable's got to be one of the ones. Like, just the announcement I think of a Fable. It is... Yeah. How long has it been since they made a Fable game, you guys? It's been a long time, right? A mainline Fable game? It's got to have been... Were there some least. on the 360? There, there must have been. There was at least one on the 360, but it's got to have been... Fable 3, the last one? The last mainline one? 12 years? Maybe. Yeah. Dude's been a long time. I, mean, I think the last Fable main, I played like, was... To say mainline, two? though, because... Did they do spinoffs? They did a spinoff. They did like a mobile spinoff, I think, and like a Legends spinoff or something. Else. We're talking about like con- full console single player kind of games here, not mobile stuff or whatever. Okay. Uh, three, also, also, there's probably, there's no story. Probably like 2010, 12, somewhere in there. So okay. Full decade. Yeah. yeah, full decade then almost. Yeah, Fable is cool. I think like the last one I played was Fable 2, and that game was fun. Very silly. I don't know if I ever beat it. Fable 2, the real estate manager. And dude, yeah, that game was all about like buying towns and like if I signed doing in. all kinds of weird fantasy like town sim. I wonder <laughs> if I still have my cloud save from 360 in my Xbox account. I wonder how much money I've made at this point if I could sign into that game somehow. Because <laughs> it was persistent I mean, income. By I don't think Xbox Live is shut off. If you have your 360 hooked up, I think you can no, just sign in. No, I don't have a 360 in. anymore, but I have a cloud save for that game, I think. I don't know. I don't uh, really uh, yeah, you would need a 360 to get it at it, yeah, though, I probably. So. I think so. Uh, Everwild also jumped out at me. I still yeah. don't know what that is. Well, it's the... Isn't it the... The rare? It's rare, right? Yes. And it looked like Monster Hunter to me. Like a little bit like... Like open world Monster Hunter with magic. I just saw a bunch of people dancing around and like talking about being one with nature and stuff yeah, and like Hunter. druids. <laughs> That's not what Monster Hunter is at all. Um, but like, it just was like, I don't know what that game is. What is the gameplay of that game? Is it Monster Hunter? Are you teaming up with people and fighting big monsters? I don't know. It looked like they were just like walking around and casting nature spells. Maybe I didn't know what the game is. Maybe it's more like Monster Rancher. Or is it like, um, 
like some of those survival games, right? Where you have to survive in the woods and, and do stuff. I don't know. Cool too. I don't know. It looked intriguing and it's from Rare. So why not give it a shot? Sure. It was definitely a big. I remember people being like very excited to hear that that was coming out. Uh, y'all interested in that Psychonauts 2? Sounds like a big no. Uh, I never played the original. I, Me either. I remember trying the original and thinking, like, I don't know if this kind of humor is for me. I feel like Psychonauts 2 has been in development for, like, 400 years. It absolutely was. And they they were done with that game last year Almost or the year or before. something, yeah. And then Microsoft bought them. And then it so went I back into development. So double very fine, confusing. Double fine was basically almost out of business. And well, they, that had been the story for them for forever. Yeah. <laughs> like they're out of business every time right before they release a product. Right. And so I think that this was one of those, like it was going to be another one of those things that people thought was lackluster. And then Microsoft stepped in. I don't know. I'm not the Psychonauts target audience. Uh, neither am I to be clear. I just noticed that like they spent a long time on it. So you got a trailer, you got them talking with Jack Black and like all this, yeah. just like, okay, cool. Sure, man. Yeah. Cool. All I right. don't know. Michael, you got another one the, before we get to the big one. I have one more. If you don't, Michael, no, I don't. So go ahead. JJ. Uh, avowed. Do you guys see this? It looked kind of like Skyrim. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, what it was based it. on until you said it. Yeah, the the name of the game is Avowed. That is a Pillars of Eternity game. Or it is based in the world of Pillars of Eternity anyway. Oh, really? Cool. Yes. Uh, however, it is a like first-person RPG in the style of the Elder Scrolls kind of game. Um, magic and nature and stuff. I'll be quests. very curious to see when people pick it apart what engine is running under that. As a, it will be not the Pillars of Eternity engine. I'll go ahead and tell you that guaranteed. Uh, it is as a giant critic of those kinds of like Skyrim style combat and those sorts of games. I, I hope it turns out good. I don't have any hope. <laughs> that was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it was. Dude, it's what I, it's what I intended. It doesn't look good to me. Okay, does Halo Infinite look good to you? I don't know, man. I'm... I still... Do... Okay. They showed the tra- the Halo trailer first, right? Like, right up front, they're like, Halo, here you go. Did we all watch it's the what, eight minutes of gameplay? To see. I watched the gameplay. Michael? Uh, I caught... I started it. I didn't get to get very far into but it. But did you... Did you, from what you saw, could you understand if it was... What type of game it was? So, sort of. I mean, the thing I think what it, what it's going to come down to me is how open is it going to be in terms of being open world? Because that was what I saw get bandied about. I mean, they certainly want you to think that it's a completely open world. See the other side of the halo. You can just walk there. I don't think like, so. I also don't think so. I think. It looked to me, design-wise, like arenas. So, I think the like the various combat encounters and whatnot in the game 
certainly are right like you drive up to that area you take an elevator and you're in a combat arena yes there's nothing stopping you from jumping down the elevator and going somewhere else right you're not loading into a different level right right but that's the game right like it's just how halo levels are designed or encounters or whatever right so i don't i don't have a problem with it being like arena here arena here arena here or whatever Mm -mm. that that seems like the game but and the thing that I don't know, it, like if you looked at that screen, there was a tab that said upgrades. What is, what are upgrades in a Halo game? I don't, mm. I don't know. Armor upgrades, weapon upgrades. Maybe. Yeah. So is it going to be like? How would you at get some an point, armor upgrade while you're in the middle of a Halo? Great question. Uh, you know, and like you know, the weapon upgrade will don't I just pick up the other gun then? Yeah. Isn't that how Halo works? You just pick up whatever guns and you use them? Yeah. So, you know, so a lot of still questions, I think. I think the one thing they showed that was, like, all new and and interesting to me is that grappling hook. Yeah, it looked like a a little Apex Legends thing going on there. It did look like that. Yes, I was actually going to say that. (laughs) It's definitely like a, almost like a scorpion spear kind of thing, but in reverse, right? It pulls you to them. Yeah. Um, so you could use it on people and you could use it on walls and you could use it on, I don't know, I, it, presumably anything, but again, also who knows there weren't like grapple points, right? So you could use it more freely than that. Um, you could pick up boxes and throw them at people and stuff. Um, cool. You know, I, I want it to be good. I have no idea what that game, like it, what it what it actually is right like the the full scope of that game did they create a giant open world with like a million combat encounters but actually there are like seven that you need to do and then the game is over that feels like it's it's would be doing themselves a disservice right because the the momentum of moving forward with each successive mission and like this is your objective this is your next objective keeping you going is kind of lost if you can just sort of wander around wherever but that's how open world games are these days like you pay those big open world like assassin's creed games and stuff and you just like you have a story mission and then meanwhile there's like 700 little dots around you of like go pray at this shrine and go over here and fight this enemy and there's a secret buried here and go over here and do this random other thing you know yeah, it's true so is, is like, is it going to be like that? Like you're going to open up the map and there's like 50 dots all over. And it's like, this is a brute cache. And this one is a secret grunt horde. And this one is a, is a magical forerunner device that you have to collect 800 shards of to make it work. Like, yeah, I, I'm just making up stuff. I have no idea, but like, is it going to be like one of those, you know, except that the combat is just like you shooting people as master chief. I I kind of hope not because I mean we're four halos into it now. Spoiler for the upcoming discussion. <laughs> but Halo, you know, Reach one, two, three. These are story-driven games. They're they're games that it, no matter what you think about the story and what you know lore-wise we're supposed to know is going on, it's going to be real strange to go from all those games to just being like. Now Master Chief has to go help the Sentinel Farm factory. I mean, they can still have a 
story and tell a story in a big open world like that. It's just going to be you finish your story thing, you walk out of a door, and there's 500 icons on the map that you could do, and then there's one red one that you have to do. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, it's just like a, is it one of those where you can just wander around and do side stuff and get collectibles and get upgrades or whatever, you know, increase the length of your grappling hook or some shit? I don't know. Like, is it one of those or is it not? Because they didn't show that. They showed the part where it's Halo and you shoot guys and you can grapple to stuff and the guns are still good right. and there are still brutes, you know? Yeah, I think they're going to lose a lot of people if they put a Halo skin on a different style of game. Yeah, so like that's the thing I want to know, right? Like, the thing they showed was that it's definitely a Halo game, but what is all the rest of this stuff? Well, and and the naming of it being infinite, with what we were talking about earlier, the service base, right? Right. Is this the only Halo we're gonna get for the next six years while they turn this into a live game that has more and more things added to the map. Come back this week for the new grunt kill challenge on, on the North end of map two or what, you know, I think that's entire. Like there is very decent chance that that's what it is. Right. Yeah. The whole game takes place on this one ring and you can just drive around the ring. And then every week they add, here's a public quest that anyone can join, you know? Oh boy. So and maybe that's separate from the like single player story or whatever that they're telling, but yeah. you know, that will be the thing, you know, almost like a destiny type thing where you can just continually play it forever. Yeah. That's a, that's a big lift asking people that. Is it, you know, are there going to be halo raid bosses? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Because there are in Destiny, you know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Yeah, they lo- they lost Bungie. They got a, you know, somebody. Well, no, they just got Bungie. They lost Bungie. Now they got Bungie again because Destiny's coming to uh, Game Pass. So if they've got Destiny, why do they need? Oh man, I'm so yeah. Confused. Why do they need it? <sighs> I'm so confused. Okay, well, maybe we could uh, confuse ourselves more, JJ. Can you give us a synopsis of Halo 3's story? We finished the fight. Uh, Did did the thing. Nice. uh, I I pressed X to open many elevators and to go up (laughs) or down them in frequent uh, cases. Uh, There definitely was a grave mind. It it said a lot of things, uh, most of which I don't remember. And shook your screen while it did it. It was very annoying. Uh... The the brutes something and it was bad, so we shot him and then Cortana was we had to get her back. We finished the fight. I'm not very good with the Halo lore, I'm not gonna lie. I don't something about the like playing in the first person perspective makes me just wanna hit like press X to pass all the cutscenes and just like I wanna get into the shooting. It is kind of funny. We played those games so quickly that my eyes did also. I know the story, and my eyes kind of glazed over a little bit at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like it, there were some of those parts where they're also like those cutscenes were interminable, and just like yeah, you're running down this hallway, and every fifty feet, the grave mine has to stop and shake your screen, it's... and you can move like you're stuck in like ultra molasses. 
and you can play again. It's just like, oh my god! So we're alluding to the fact that the Master Chief Collection got Halo Three this past week, and uh, I made it a personal mission to get it done quickly so that we could get the cool floaty skull. And we did, yeah. We finished Halo Two and Halo Three now, so we're we're as caught up as you can be on PC. Impressive. Well, Halo Three, like you said, other than the interminable cutscenes. That game is much more cinematic in its design. It has lots of cutscenes. And the missions, except for one of them, are not that long. Yeah. It's a shorter game than Halo 2 for sure. Oh yeah. Halo it, 2 and just like outclasses a lot of like games. And just like a lot of like running around in Halo 2. Whereas here you don't have to like run anywhere. You just like you do the thing and then the map is over and you go do something else, you know. Right. Also, there are definitely like in there are still big levels in Halo Three, right? Like we have to get in the, the um, vehicles and drive around and shoot tanks or whatever. Like, there's still a bunch of that, but it goes by quick because you're like speeding down a valley in a tank, like blowing everything up, you know? <laughs> not just like trying to inch your way around a corner and not fall off a cliff, like I was constantly in Halo One. Yeah. What were your overall impressions of of all the games so far? Just now that we've kind of finished them, I thought, yeah, I mean, what do we have left? ODST and... ODST and Halo 4 Halo are the 4 last two in that collection. of the that collection, right? And this, then I guess, like, 5 must exist somewhere, not as part of this collection. It doesn't but, exist on Game Pass anywhere yet, but but of, of the games that remain, 3 ODST is... A, ODST is its own thing. It's It's... Shocking to me, they even put it in the collection. And four, I don't. I'm sure I played it, but I don't remember it. And so it's definitely not part of this. Finish the fight, you know. This whole like one, two, and three yeah. had a connected story. There's an, even a cliffhanger in two that gets you to three. There's no Master Chief in ODST. Spoilers. So, you know, this is kind of it in terms of this rash of games mm-hmm. and so i'm just kind of curious what your overall take is before you know before they bring out odst at some point in the future which you're gonna so I which think, i'll literally you're just gonna be like well that was different <laughs> yeah I, I think my opinion is kind of like hey you know it, halo one is like a classic game right at this point it's, it's old enough now that the game is like it feels classic in some ways when you play it with the updated graphics, it's still it feels like a coat of paint on a really old thing, but it still feels old, right? Especially the level design and stuff. It just feels like an old game. Um, however, that said, the part where you actually do the shooting and stuff is still super fun in that game. And Halo 2, similarly in some ways, although you can see it getting slightly more modern. And when you play it with the new coat of paint in Halo 2, the game looks stunning. The game is like, it looks like a new game when you play it in the modern mode. Uh, and then you switch back to the old mode and you're like, Oh no, this game is, is very old. I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And like the cutscenes and the new cutscenes are like unbelievably detailed. Wow. They look good. Um, and then, you know, you go to halo three and you're like, Oh, this one didn't get remastered. <laughs> 
uh, but it still looks really good. You get to some of those big open areas and stuff, and like the the light and the you know the armor models on Master Chief and stuff look really good. Halo Three, and it, Halo Three is that weird end of a generation, beginning of a generation time when the cutscenes started to look worse than the games. Yeah, they didn't yeah. remodel them. Yeah, it, like you know, and the things that they can up-res and still have them look good as opposed to looking terrible. Right, like you can up-res Master Chief's armor a lot, and it will still look good because it's all kind of angular anyway. And like you could just put more lights and shadows and stuff on it, but like you can't redo the faces of the people without making them look real bad. <laughs> so <laughs> they kind of look um, like those Michael, those stretched face people from Star Trek Nemesis. No, no insurrection. <laughs> okay, insurrection. You know, insurrection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I knew you. Where their skin is all pulled back and taut. It's very weird look, but like it was clearly like meant to be, you know, you're you're supposed to get like this emotion from them doing this. And you just look at their face. You're like, no, dude. (laughs) And then you see like Master Chief and he's like, looks amazing with his armor and the reflections and all this stuff. And you're like, you can see where the time was spent here. (laughs) Uh, But like that said, like Halo 3 easily plays the best of any of them, right? Like it's the most fun to play. The guns are the most fun. I can't tell talk about the balance. I didn't really play any multiplayer. Well, but you like, played a little bit of Reach actually now too, because uh, we played a lot of Firefight. It's true. We did some of that. Um, I like that and mode. Yeah, yeah, that mode is fun. It's like a horde mode type thing. I think that mode is fun to play and would probably be more fun um, to like you know try weird challenges and stuff in that as opposed to just like let's get stomped in Halo Three multiplayer because I'm sure that's what would happen if we played it. Um, but yeah, I think like Halo three, you know, it's like you can see the things evolve, right? Like you play Halo one and like, there's these set of weapons and play Halo two, the weapons change a little bit. They add this, they take this away. It's a little more powerful here and there. And then Halo three, it feels like they're kind of like, all right, look, we finally figured it out. This is the balance. Here's what's good. All these are useful in some scenarios, but you're going to be sad every time you have to pick up this one. Cause it's not as good as the other one. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed it. Um, I really did. And I think I will, you know, enjoy playing these other ones, whatever they are. Um, eventually. Okay. Nice. Well, to lead us out for the day, I know that we have one thing in common. We have the most ring fit of us, Michael. And we have the 39th best Trackmania player in California. That's right. But we're all together now on one mission. You've all joined me in Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. Feels good to be playing a Final Fantasy again. Even an old one, huh? Does it? Oh, yeah. I I have always loved this series. And so I think the last thing that I... The last thing that I played was a replay. The last thing that I finished, let's say, was a replay of Seven in anticipation of you buying a PS4 and playing? No, it's it's been a couple of years. Okay. That's funny. Uh, I I believe that remake will come out on PC one day, and I will play it there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. Having no previous experience with FF12, unlike you two, I have some questions, but I wanted to know first what you guys have been up to in the game since, Michael, you just started, and JJ, you were experimenting with something? Uh, I got a bit farther. Uh, I played it more recently than you two, and I kind of like left off partway through because I just the game is just very impenetrable at some points. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I kind of just like got bored and stopped playing. So I picked that save back up because it was made like this past year, uh, like, you know, 2019. Um, and go. yeah. And I just realized like, there's just so much grinding. I need, like, I clearly had like, I got bored of fighting in this area. And so like, I worked through a boss, you know, and then it was just like, I need, I really should have done more leveling in this area here because my people are kind of underpowered. I have to run by most of these monsters and, uh, um, so I, I did a little cheat engine use. Y'all use that cheat engine? I cannot. Uh, my copy is on the switch. <laughs> it's been a while, but yes. Uh, so, you know, and cheat engine lets you, uh, it's a program you can run on your PC. It allows you to modify games, uh, kind people out there have created basically tables of things that let you do modify your values. And while I could have done stuff like just level up my characters or give myself full license points or whatever, uh, that isn't what I decided to do. What I decided to do was something like way more complicated, but also, uh, I don't know if it like preserves the game a little better. I don't know, whatever I'm cheating, who cares? (laughs) Uh, do you guys know about these like hidden chests in this game? Uh, did you you went for the bow, didn't you? I did go for the bow. Yes. So tell me this now. Should I have been looking? It doesn't matter, Mike. Uh, you'll never ever find this, Andrew. So you're, Not you're in a million it. years. I don't think you will have gotten far enough to a. You can't pass the point in the game where it exists. What he's talking about. It's once you get once you unlock the area where it is. It's always unlocked. Uh, but there are three of them, JJ, I think. Three different items. Something like that, that yeah. Hidden throughout the game that are in invisible chests. Uh, and there are hints in the, within the game of where these items are. So you do know about them. However, the chests are not... If you go there to where the place where the chest is, the chest may not even be there. Yes, based so there on is an random chance, chance. Yep. an RNG percent chance that it will spawn. And then on top of that, an RNG percent chance that it will actually contain the rare item that you want. I don't like this. No, you shouldn't. So it turns out if you want to get really technical about it, you can cheat the random generation in this game. You can yeah. do it. You uh, can set it up to such a way that you will know exactly what the next random number it's going to produce is. A step counter in the game. I wonder if that's how they do it. Nope. Uh, it's way more complicated than that. I'm not going to go into it here. We don't have time for it. But it, there are YouTube videos that are like 10 minutes long that show you how to set this up. And then you get to this exact point, save, go load out, do this other thing to get an exact number when you hit this exact value quit that go back to your other save walk in this door and then the chest will be there if you do everything correctly i think i saw too that that only works on the playstation version uh possibly i don't know if it involves the switch or not patched out what something that you had to have to be able to make that work on the pc Mm, mate i don't know i tried it at least once on the pc I didn't get it, but also I probably was doing it wrong. So, uh, anyway, at the end of the day, I used Cheat Engine to force the chest to spawn and force it to drop the item I wanted. So, <laughs> uh, so I got this bow, and I don't know the name. of The bow is like Saiten Grat or something like this. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It has like 2,000 attack power. One of the strongest, if not the strongest weapons in the game. Wow. 
So the now, chest where it is is actually accessible pretty early on. Yeah, in theory, you could have gotten it be well before I did, actually. Um, but uh, so suffice to say, the monsters now cause me no trouble whatsoever. <laughs> uh, as long as the person with the bow doesn't die. If they die, I'm super, <laughs> super bad. <laughs> Everybody's under leveled. Yeah. So, um, so I did it. Um, and that made the game far more enjoyable. I could just run through areas and fight monsters when I wanted to or not. Um, and you'd level up then very quickly when you can kill everything in two to three hits. What was the life um, to restart for you, Michael? Uh, it's been good. It has been good. I, I really enjoyed this game the first time around, um, the original Final Fantasy twelve, and so it's been fun to go back and see the differences. Oh, because so, Zodiac Age is kind of like a re-release, right? Yeah, so they added some new... Um, they tweaked some things. I think we talked about the license board a bit last time. But they also added in... And I don't know if you guys have played around with this trial mode. I used it uh, to grind a bunch of pretty sweet items. There's a lot of sweet items you can steal in there. Do you have yes, to be yes, a certain level to enter there with a party or something? No, you don't. Although you will very quickly become outclassed if you are underleveled. Okay. You'll just get murdered eventually. But yeah, no, you can go in anytime, I think. And the license... I, does the experience carry over? I know the experience license points do. License points do, and so you can very quickly grind license points, which was so license a thing that separate was harder to do in the original. Say what? License points are separate from experience? When you finish yes. a battle, you get LP and you get XP. Okay. Oh, license right. points that's go right. forward, right. and experience is just your general level. Okay, that's right. right. I, I remember seeing that. And there are you need a lot of license points at some points, so... Uh, you know, being able to grind that easy is nice. Uh, and there are like a ton of chests in those areas and monsters that have relatively rare items that you can steal uh, if, if you get the stealing thing going. And uh, yeah, there's a ton of stuff in there that's sweet. And like, it's a really good way to get really powerful gear quickly. Yes, and early in some cases. You can get, you can steal gear from the enemies in trial mode that you can't get until later in the actual story. But you wouldn't be able to equip it if you didn't have the right licenses, right? Sure, but all that's right. where that's where grinding through all the license points and having that along with the equipment carry back into your game come in handy. Ah, uh, good point. And there are some that have, you know, some items that require very little or no licenses or licenses that are available to very many classes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the item might still be sweet, so so yeah, it's a it's a definitely a good addition. Yeah. I I have this dream that I'm gonna be able to get through this without looking at a guide. You should be able to. You will probably be uh so you can definitely be able to do all of the like main quest stuff. I think you will probably have a lot of trouble on some of the hunts. Like figuring out how to do them <laughs> because some of them are like, where do you even go? Yeah, how do you get this rare monster to spawn? Um, but in terms of the main quest or whatever, they signpost it pretty good. There's like places telling you where to go. There's an overworld map. You see how the maps are connected. You can figure out how to get there. I I believe it should be no problem. Okay. But, you know. I've 
Yeah. Still. Um, oh, one one uh, piece of advice, Andy. If you're if you find yourself short on cash at any point, chains are your friend. Yeah, oh, it yes. looks like you got more money if you chain, but I don't know really. They haven't explained how to chain. I barely understand how to use gambits. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the I don't remember if there's a tutorial on chains, but essentially the way it works is that the higher your chain level is, the better quality of loot enemies drop, um, and not just quality, but quantity and frequency go up. So I'll get to like seven chain without even knowing what I'm doing, and then all of a sudden it'll just x itself out i don't know why i lost chains continue killing the same monster so you have to be killing the same same monster monster group so as long as it's like any type of wolf for instance they all count towards the chain i run around but if you go from a wolf to i'm getting a chain yes if you kill one bird in between though the chain will break yep ah that is not explained anywhere in the game Yet. You don't technically need to know it in order to do anything in this game. Fair. Yes. Fair. But if you want a bunch of rare items and or a lot of money, that's a good way to get it. Yeah. So maybe next week is t- tutorials on what I've done wrong with gambits. Nah. <laughs> There's really nothing you can do wrong. There's just ways you can do more sweet, right? Like, <laughs> no. We'll talk about it next week, I think. It, it, there's a lot to talk about with gambits. Okay. Well, uh, free advice, as always, uh, if you're trying to do a Civ game where you're trying to get achievements, make a save at the beginning. If you... Because <laughs> sometimes they don't work out. If you have any FF12 advice for us or, or you want to participate in playing it with us and you want to tell us your stories about playing Final Fantasy XII your first time or a replay, where would you send it? You can send that to podcast at weweregamers.com. And we will uh, be interested to hear all of your ideas about how gambits work because there's a lot of stuff, man. Uh, also, talk to us about the sweet stuff that you saw on the Xbox event that uh, that is cool because we have a lot more interested in there too. So, yeah, we're this particular podcast is on YouTube. You can search for Weber Gamers on there and subscribe to it. We uh, would appreciate that if you did so. See the other podcasts laid out on some nice uh, nice playlists there for you. This one, the audio version, you can hear on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all the various places. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Balthier is pretty cool. He's kind of the dude. <laughs> <laughs>